0: Hello and welcome to the Wonder podcast. My name is Drisca Hamid and I'm the editor at Womda.com. Now in the series we speak to several food technology startups and we begin with LunchOn, a subscription-based lunch delivery service based in Dubai. It was founded by Dana Beki and Mohammed Azabin. Welcome guys. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Um, so tell me how you both met. When did LunchOn come about? How did it come about? Tell me your story.
1: I'll start, you know, with uh, with my side and then maybe I'll pass on to Dana. So uh, I was working in uh, banking at Barclays. So I'd been there for a while, worked with them across, uh, you know, different cities and different teams. Uh, but uh, I, I always had that itch or, you know, like that kind of um, need to do something different. And I remember, you know, uh, the, uh, the startup scene was really starting to, to blossom here in the region. We, you know, started to see some friends and people that I knew, you know, going out there and starting their own businesses. Um, and you know i always had a passion for food so i knew i wanted to do something in food i didn't know quite what what it was going to be uh but there was always that you know like fear of like do i leave this you know security of my job and like go do something crazy so um, i started dabbling with a few food ideas and at that time uh, a mutual friend of Dana and i had, had connected us and said hey you know you're always talking about this and she's you know in, in the same like place almost, like mentally, uh, I think you guys should meet. So, you know, just went to that meeting really not expecting much. Uh, went to Tasha's cafe at like 4 p.m. during, uh, uh, was it Ramadan? No. I think, no, it wasn't Ramadan. It was just after Ramadan actually. So, um, and, and this was back in 2015. And I remember I met Dana and, you know, she, uh, you know Ahmed, the guy who connected us, told me she just had a baby. And I was like, okay, I had no idea what to expect. You know, it was just, uh, you know, really like, uh, you know, a a cold kind of intro. So, you know, we, we sat down, we spoke about it, and, you know, we started to share some of the ideas that we wanted to work on. And then, you know, we kind of started to zone in on food at work and, you know, just really looking at the pain points of, you know, the high delivery fees, et cetera. So, you know, that's kind of where the idea started. We went away and we started putting together financial models, you know, both, you know, I was still you know in, in my job and she was still raising her son at, at the time who's you know just uh, a baby uh so um you know that's that's kind of how things started uh
2: so i had moved to dubai about 7 years ago and when i first got here the first thing i um i wanted to do was start a business around food trucks Um, my background had nothing to do with food. I was working at Procter and Gamble for several years before that, but my passion was always food. So, um, when I first got here and explored that space, um... I, you know, I was really excited about it, but ultimately decided that it wasn't going to be a profitable model. And you know, once I put that aside, I I went into a boutique VC and started working on other people's businesses, but always had an itch for food, and just food is my obsession. So when our um, when our mutual friend said, you know, you should meet. I didn't think much of it either, but, um, you know, I was was on maternity leave taking care of my baby, and I was like, sure, I'll meet this guy, Tasha's is close, that's fine. (laughs) And we actually met the day that our friend introduced us.
0: Did you know anything about one another No, No, nothing.
2: nothing. So, yeah, we, you know, we had a great conversation that day, and when we left, we said, we both kind of gave each other homework, like, let's each take, you know, this uh, aside and work on, you know, the financial model and ideas for how we can do it and let's meet back up next week. And then we kind of just started in that way and both got really excited about what we were working on um, and ultimately made the plunge a few months later before we even tested or anything. So it was quite a risky move on both of our parts. When did you
0: decide that you would focus on lunch?
2: Pretty early Early on. Okay. So,
0: I mean, was it from your own experiences of being office employees, ordering lunch or trying to figure out what to eat every day?
2: Absolutely.
1: Like that was, you know, kind of everyone sees it when you're inside an office space. You see this like recurring like Groundhog Day thing where you are always getting lunch and it's always difficult and you're paying high delivery fees. So that really stuck, uh, you know, I guess with us. And we said, okay, there's a problem here, and food delivery was starting to you know really uh, you know grow and, and, and become probably a more um, you know logical option for people like it, it was just the convenience was starting to permeate into people's minds like yeah, that's what I do.
0: I remember it being mostly for dinner
1: yes, exactly, so th- that's and it was we saw that you know people at work for lunch weren't being covered by you know, that uh, revolution, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's the opportunity that we saw. And we said, you know, we don't wanna pay high delivery fees. And on the flip side, we saw that restaurants loved bulk orders and that they had spare capacity before the lunch hour. So that those two things together were, you know, the light bulb moment where we said, how can we do this? And that's when we started to engage in conversations with restaurants. You know, trying to find out how busy are you at, you know, eleven? How many drivers do you have? What is your, you know, how many orders do you do? And and so we realized quickly that if we are able to, um, you know, give them a bulk of orders at that time, that the pricing could be negotiated. The delivery fee could also be, you know, um, removed essentially, which is you know
2: where we started.
0: Okay. So you partnered with how many restaurants in the beginning? And how, how did you figure out the right business model for this? Yeah,
2: so actually we didn't partner with restaurants in the beginning. We didn't even tell them what we were doing. So at the start, we pretended to be the chatbot, took the orders as if we were a chatbot. One of us would be waiting at the restaurant, the other one would be a you know, fake chatbot talking to our, our test company, and we would then place the orders and deliver them ourselves. And we did that for several months, actually, because we wanted to get a sense of how what the process would look like, so we could fine tune what we wanted the product to look like. And we wanted to talk to our customers, and we, we knew that it would be difficult to sell it in to restaurants when we, you know, we were testing with one company, and you know, who are we, and what are we doing? Um, so it wasn't until. Probably four or five months in, that we actually started talking to restaurants and signing contracts with them, um, because we, you know, we needed to be confident in, in what we were doing. Um, so at first, I think we partnered with something like fifteen restaurants uh, to start. Um, I mean, now we have over 200, but um, we're still very picky about the restaurants that we work with because we are we are selecting the restaurants and the items on any given day. Um, we really need to be very choiceful on what who we bring on board. Um, so we do tastings for every restaurant. We're always monitoring ratings from the users, um, and we're constantly updating who we offer and, and and what they're offering and help the restaurants even improve their offering given what we're hearing from our user base. To make sure that you know we're we're on top of it, Pe- you know people are trusting us to choose their lunch for them in some cases. So, so. what
0: do people want to eat for lunch here?
2: Healthy is becoming so big. I mean, I know we in the beginning we always heard healthy, but people would tell us they want to eat healthy and then order something completely different. But now we're actually seeing people acting more in line with that and um, really wanting to see more. Um, you know, either low carb, paleo, keto, um, low calorie meals. Um, and we're, we're definitely seeing that in what they're ordering. Are we at the vegan stage yet? Yes, we are at the vegan stage. So listen, it's still not as big as other things, but it's definitely growing. Um, so it is something that we are looking into, you know, getting more of on our, we already have it, but we, we want to diversify our, our selection there.
0: So I, tell me a little bit more about the lunch on business model you charge 25 dirhams per meal um how how does it all work there is
2: a subscription model that we have um, where a user pays 39 dirham per month um, and then they unlock their meals at 25 dirham they don't have to subscribe though they can just be on regular lunch on and in that case they're still paying lower prices than if they were to order from a different platform, either because we've negotiated that price with the restaurant or simply because we'd never have any delivery fees. So I think that, you know, they're always paying less on, lunch on Um but to get that 25 dirham price point, which is really a sweet spot, they have to pay the 39 dirham um, subscription fee, which, you know, when you think about it is really not that high given the savings that they're, you know usually meals are 35 40 45 dirham um on regular lunch on and they're getting it at a significant discount so it makes a lot of sense for them
0: and you also um offer breakfast
2: yes we launched breakfast a few months ago okay. um and it's it's growing it's not as big as lunch but uh, it's definitely growing and um we're excited about it
0: how do you cope with the seasonalities we're currently in ramadan at the moment a lot of people are fasting so how, how do you cope with that
1: Ramadan's always been an interesting one to see, and it's been different for us every single year. So this is our third Ramadan, I believe. Um, in the first year, you know, we started off with a very small user base, so we saw a big uh, dip. I think we had like 10 companies at the time, where now we have like almost 700. So um you know at that point like we took everything seriously and we're like you know trying not to obviously offend anyone so uh we came up with this uh this you know idea of sending out a proactive email asking people if they want us to pause their notifications and so you know that that's something that we kind of retained. so every year we we've done that and people that are fasting and not fasting appreciate that you know because we're proactively you know telling them hey if you don't want to see food you know you can just click a button so it's a small UX uh, thing that, that I think really goes a long way uh, in terms of order volume it's also been different every single year so the first year we took a big hit I'd say almost like 40 50 percent uh, last year it was actually a few months before we'd launched Pro so we actually grew a bit in, in Ramadan um, and you know' it's, it's the number of active users on the daily menu does go down but their frequency does go up the other thing that we had launched last year, which really helped us, was catering. So we see a lot of seasonal events around Ramadan, like Suhoor, Iftar, etc. So those had made up for uh, a lot of the you know, the dip that we saw from our daily user customers. Um, this year, it's, it's looking better than last year, actually. So surprisingly, the frequency is even higher than people were. We have a lot more people on Pro. Um, about, I'd say maybe 20% of our uh, subscribers, 25% have paused their yeah. Pro subscription for Ramadan. Uh, but uh, it seems like the non-fasters are making up for it. So,
0: or people are just not fasting. <laughs>
1: yeah, or, or maybe that you know they they start off with the right intentions and then you know they lose momentum along the way. We don't know what it is, but it, it gets better every single day.
0: Um, but it seems like you're gaining a unique insight into what people are doing. Um, so, how do you use that data to curate meals, to know what to offer, to alter your business?
1: Okay, so I think you know that probably goes beyond just Ramadan. Uh, But we collect almost every single user interaction that you can imagine. So uh, initially, you know, we started off with simple things like conversion, how many people see a menu and then order something from there. Uh, You can obviously dig into the item conversion, etc. But now we're capturing a lot more. So we capture how many people visit the website, how many people uh, open their email, which meals do they hover over, how much time they spend on each restaurant. We, we also measure something called leakage, which is how many people start off looking at one restaurant and go into the other one. You know, it, it kind of gives you an idea of how people think. And to be honest, it's not really important what we do with the data right now. We might not know what it means, but we're storing everything because down the line we might, you know, have the ability to process a lot, you know, a lot of this information in a very unique way. Um, but for us right now, it's really just looking at the ordering patterns and the simple things that we know what they mean currently and using that to tailor the menu for people. So um, Merlin, which is our scheduling system, that's you know a big focus for us. So we have uh, the most resources dedicated to that team and they're really looking at just optimizing it so there's a lot of data mining that goes into that Uh, there's a lot of uh, data prep for the algorithms we run different algorithms at different times so whenever we want we think we're making an improvement we always benchmark it against you know the previous version to actually uh, you know see if it's like a measurable difference that we're making
0: so you guys started off pretending to be chatbots yourselves. And now it seems like you've got quite sophisticated technology.
1: Yeah, it, it got sophisticated really quick. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, you know, with the chatbot thing, it was just the simplest way to get started. Um, we'd signed up our first company, which was Epic mm-hmm. in, in Shalot Tower. Uh, it was about 30 people. We signed them up on like a Google form. And so we collected their emails, and then we put them into a Mailchimp, you know, template or you know, a database, and started sending them a daily menu, which we would put together manually. And so the easiest way was to, you know, to confirm someone's orders that they'd, you know, email us, you know, yes, I want number A or sorry, mm-hmm. item A, and then we'd be like, your order is confirmed, and here's your receipt, etc. Um, so you know, it started off like that, and then we we quickly realized that people didn't necessarily need an app. The offering was, was so simple that you, know, you could just do it through replying. And so we, we got into text messaging, and you know, we actually had to build a chatbot at that time because we were processing you know, hundreds of orders you know, within every minute or, or whatever. Um, and then you know, we gradually went to the website, and now we have an app because the offering's gotten so big that you, you kind of need the app interface.
0: Is this technology developed in-house?
1: Yes. So almost uh, half of our team, if not more, more than half of our team is, is software engineers. Okay. So uh, we're and always Are they automated. based in Dubai
0: or do you have an, an office elsewhere?
1: So our head of engineering is in Dubai. We have a few other resources in tech in Dubai, but the the bulk of the team is in Pakistan. Okay. So we have a full office um, there where we're, you know, recruiting from one of the top universities there because Owen, our, our co-founder, uh, graduated from there. So he has really good connections and that's actually been a huge plus for us in, in getting tech talent.
0: That's a trend that we're seeing with a lot of startups in the region, where they have their back-end offices either in Jordan, Cairo or Pakistan. Mm -hmm. So why did you guys decide to go for Pakistan?
2: So um, our first employee, who is now our, our co-founder, um, is Pakistani and uh, has great connections there. So he actually was a st- student teacher at one of the top universities there. So it made a lot of sense uh, for us to start there because we had access to top talent, and he had you know good connections. Um, so, uh, you know, we started with a few employees uh, and now the office there is actually bigger than our office here. So not only do we have our development team there, but we even have back, back office operations there as well, which is going to help us scale to new markets and um, other places. So it's the, the models worked quite well for us so far.
0: Do you use machine learning or AI at all?
1: Machine learning, we're starting to get into right now. AI is, I, I think, the next level up. Um, but for us, you know, it's really about figuring out what, you know, there's two problems we're solving. One is like a routing problem, which is, you know, which companies to pair together. And then the second problem we have is the selection. So right now we don't use um, any any uh, machine learning per se in, in, in the production server. We use mostly uh, rule-based systems. So it's quite complicated. There's a lot of uh discount factoring there's a lot of data mining that goes into it but it's not machine learning yet so uh, that's something actually that uh, we're starting to get into right now so we're talking to a a few players that are going to help us get into that Uh, but you know we're moving in the right direction so we're going to probably start handing over some things to machine learning and keep some things rule-based and then you know maybe in the future yeah it'll all be ai but uh, we're not quite there yet
0: you mentioned expansion what's what's in store for lunch on over the next few years
2: so we just launched Abu Dhabi um, which we're going to be really pushing hard on after Ramadan and uh, Saudi is next so we're we're now getting the wheels turning in that market uh, and we know it's a really big one we're really excited we're starting in Riyadh uh, and it's a huge opportunity there delivery costs are even higher than they are here um, and it's a a really big market there's a lot of people there that are looking for good lunch options um, and they don't have them available to them in an easy way yet
0: so you guys don't offer cash on delivery do you No, we don't how are you going to cope with that in Saudi which is such a cash society
2: so it's evolving. Um, it's definitely evolving. What we've seen is that, uh, especially in some of the, you know, the office settings that we're talking to, people do have credit and debit cards, and so it's not as big of an issue with that demographic. Uh, but we're also you know, brainstorming different ways we can handle that. Um, and we do have a few ideas, but you know, we'll have to test those as we get off the ground. Did you see
0: any resistance initially when you guys first started out when you didn't have a cash-on delivery service? I mean, Here in Dubai?
2: Yeah. No, we've never actually had much pushback. I mean, people some people would say, do I have to put my credit card? Can I pay the driver? And if you simply tell them, like, no, I'm sorry. You know, it doesn't make sense for a driver who's delivering 30 or 40 meals to wait for people to come pay him cash. and It, that, it just doesn't work. Um, so maybe there was a few people that asked that, but I think very quickly it wasn't an issue.
1: So I think, you know, with, with cash on delivery and in Saudi, I feel like it's almost tied to trust because if you're dealing with a brand and it's online you don't know who the people are you don't know what the company does uh, you know it could be an issue for some people and what we've seen is that as the customer in Saudi does build trust with the brand they may then add their card so one of the advantages that we'll have going in is is you know because we're going in through the HR we build that trust with uh... with the employees there so they think they, they start to believe that you know they they're dealing with a brand that they can trust that you know their their information and and payment details are secure and so you know that's what we've seen and we actually did test in saudi but uh, last year just before ramadan we tested in saudi we tested at a company called takamul and in the same way that we started in dubai we just started with one company you know a few restaurants that you know weren't aware of what we were doing exactly Uh, and the results we saw were amazing really so everything that we thought was kind of just put into reality. It was just like a crazy amount of conversion, almost twice as much as we see in, in, in Dubai. Um, and, and that just is... Why is that? What's driving that? I think people are hungry for good solutions. Like it's it's actually quite, quite difficult. Quite literally hungry. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's quite difficult to get food in Saudi um, because the delivery fee is so high. Uh, if you have to drive around, you know, Riyadh is, is a big city. Uh, there's a lot of traffic. Uh, there's not a really a good selection of, of good restaurants also. So uh, the lunch on model actually works really well in Riyadh specifically because we're kind of showing you the best restaurants and, and you know we're simplifying that delivery and also making it free. So you know all those th- things together make it a really good solution for people.
0: Well, good luck in Saudi Arabia. It was lovely
2: to speak to you both. So th- thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Riska.
0: <laughs>